Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 604, Story Time. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going well. I think it looks like the podcast might have officially reached some kind of tipping point. I got fan mail in, oh. in my letterbox today from Jehovah's Witnesses. Nice. A, hand, a handwritten letter. Are they so, unhappy? <laughs> <laughs> it blows my mind. Like I don't, I don't understand quite how it works. It's a handwritten letter. At first, I was initially suspicious that they just like look at my mailbox has my last name on it, but it doesn't have my full name. They have my full name. It's very strange. Inviting. How do you how do you know it's about the Big Chill podcast? Oh, it isn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. But I'm, I don't know. Just in general, I don't understand how it's in English. So already that's strange too, right? Like that it's not in French. So I've made I've made it onto some kind of list, and I don't think it's a list that I really want to be on. Well, it's a list to save your soul. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it's a very touching. It's it's inviting me to the twenty twenty three exercise in patience. Nice. Yeah. Where's that at? Rome, uh, <laughs> Paris, London. Let me have a look. Uh, it's in it's in it's in France. I don't know okay. where that is exactly, but it's it's in France. It looks the, the pamphlet. It's a handwritten letter plus a little pamphlet. It looks it looks quite nice. Excellent. Maybe I'll go just for podcast material. <laughs> this is this is where I get. This is how they get me. I go for the I go for the content, and I end up getting converted. <laughs> Speaking of conversions, oh boy, I have a story from. Uh, someone who both of us know, like uh, a friend, also a listener of the podcast. I, I cannot name him for reasons that will probably become clear as this story unfolds. But uh, one of the most bizarre stories I think I have ever heard in my life. It certainly makes the short list, and so I thought I'd try and get your opinion on it. All right. First it, off, yeah, are we sure this is a true story? Because it's so bizarre. Okay. 100%. Okay. 100%. <laughs> um, <laughs> listeners might doubt it, though. So I guess it's worth saying, also preface this, the um, this story will include the uh, mention of some illegal substances. Big Chill Podcast does not condone that type of activity. Neither you nor I are no. drug drug people. Never have been. Nope. Keep our Never temples clean. Never did EPO in my life. <laughs> to, to keep our temples clean in that respect. But this story does involve some illegal substances. So this person in question uh, found themselves in a situation where they decided they wanted to find some cocaine to buy and that they thought then the most logical... Where, where are they? They were somewhere in the US, but I'm not sure exactly where they were. Gotcha. It was mentioned in the story, but I, I actually can't remember that detail. Well, we can follow and, up with if, if it were Portland, Oregon, that is a very quick story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll go get on to that then afterwards. And perhaps it's best that I even leave out the location because that location might give away, certainly to people who are familiar with us, it might give away who it is. Yeah. Uh, 
they were looking for loca- for cocaine. They decided, but I think they were, were not where they live because kind of adds to this story. Um, they decided that going to a gay club was the natural place to go because gays like to party and cocaine might be available in the club. Uh, and whilst trying to solicit random strangers to find out where they could get uh, cocaine, found themselves uh, getting the attention from someone who didn't believe that they were not gay, but also was not in a position to provide any cocaine. Now, I think there's, there, for a lot of listeners, you they may relate to the idea, maybe not the cocaine element, but the thought that at some point in their life, perhaps a member of the same sex has come on to them and put them in a situation, maybe every once in a while still questions their sexuality. It's not unusual. Now, the this story takes the a bizarre... The fact that we can't have names is making this already confusing. <laughs> this, story, this story took a bizarre twist in... The way that was this was handled. So imagine yourself in a scenario or in a club and a guy is insisting on the fact that you might be gay. This person decided that the suitable response to this was to say, oh, you think I'm gay? Let me prove that I'm not. And proceeded to unzip his pants and say, go ahead and put your hand on my dick. And let's make... <laughs> And, and let's make out for 30 seconds. And if I get hard, then I must be gay. But if I don't, I'm clearly straight. So let's go at it and let's see what happens. Wait. <laughs> were, the, were the pants preemptively pulled down as a, like, <laughs> let's do this? Or was I, it, I will do this? I think I've, I've maybe slightly embellished there in terms of the sequencing. The, but... I don't think the pants were pulled down. I think it was unzipped so that a hand could be slid into the inside the pants for full access. I feel like, again, you could have done this with a hand on the outside of the pants. Like, I don't know if you need wow. like f- full grab. But yeah, and then 30 seconds of a full making out, tongue involved, not just little pecks on the lips, full on French kissing. What proceeded? And supposedly didn't get hard. He got the all clear. Oh, it, it went down. <laughs> he didn't. It actually, he didn't... it actually happened. Oh no no yeah yeah no no oh this my God. this this I mean it was his idea so why wouldn't it happen? The guy was obviously game for it. Now he told this person in question told this story to a bunch of us last night. We, I have permission to retell it on the podcast, but I said I would give him some degree of anonymity in the process. Where does it the was, cocaine play into this? It doesn't. But it was, <laughs> I guess, the only reason I mentioned it, it could have kind of been left out, but it was the reason why he was in a gay club. So I guess, you know, you kind of, I needed to, how do we, you know, move the character in question into the gay club? That is, okay. that is how they got there. And uh, yeah, he told this story. It was met by stunned silence. Just, I mean, people's minds were blown. The only takeaway that we did have is, is this potentially the greatest pickup move ever? <laughs> like, do you now, do you start flipping it and go, oh, no, I'm definitely gay. Oh, you think I'm straight? Put, put your hand on my dick and hang out with me for 30 seconds. 
So you're saying it's a great pickup move because in the end, they did end up sleeping together. <laughs> no, nothing <laughs> happened. Nothing <laughs> happened. But yeah, it was. Uh, I was surprised by the story. And that, <laughs> that is insane. Vasilis was present for it. So this was... This is content where Vasilis is, uh, it's Vasilis adjacent, but it, it gets into the Vasilis territory of weird stories. Yeah, that's a weird one for Vasilis. I can't believe he did that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. So how was Portland? <laughs> <laughs> so Portland is interesting. Um, yeah, so I was in Portland, Oregon for a week. We one day rented a car and drove to like the Mount Hood area, like kind of like at the base of the mountain, did some hiking, and that was awesome. It was so nice, so beautiful. The conference I was attending was in downtown Portland in the area known for what some people call like the zombie apocalypse <laughs> is oh, yes. what some of the, uh, the the news outlets have been calling it. Yeah. It's it's not good. <laughs> um, I saw more people smoking crack in two days than I have anyone do any type of drugs in my entire life. And that includes like weed, which is now legal in most states. <laughs> It was it, it it was a lot to see. I've and never these... seen a grown naked man sitting at a bus stop s- smoking crack at 3 p.m. Is, until bit, now. <laughs> which is the bit that you hadn't seen before? The grown naked man <laughs> or is it the, is it is it the just smoking the crack? Of the crack. <laughs> yeah, up until that. I mean, just... I lived in Paris, so. <laughs> and so are these people homeless or are they yeah so it's just okay now i will say there was also news outlets had been saying it was like tent city and that you couldn't even walk down the streets because there was so many like encampments and tents and this and that that was not really the case i think though that they are starting to push against that because apparently there was a big lawsuit that just happened or settled about two weeks ago that the ADA had sued the city of Portland because people were saying they couldn't uh, like people with wheelchairs couldn't get around the city because there was like the sidewalks were completely blocked. I like that. That's the the legal. Yeah. That's how they got through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if this is a more recent development. So that wasn't as bad, Uh, but I will say I never really felt threatened at any point. It was kind of just they're doing their own thing, smoking crack in corners and at bus stops. And but that's not to say I'm sure there aren't a lot of instances where people are confronted. Um, so yeah, that wasn't particularly great. But once you got to certain other areas of Portland, it was it was really nice. Like it had really nice areas, good places you could go, bars and restaurants and walking areas. But the downtown downtown part, where unfortunately the conference was was not in the greatest of areas. And it made it difficult because then after the conference would end at eight or nine, you know, people would want to go out and get drinks and hang out. So you had, you know, groups of younger college students, you know, walking around late at night. And it was one of those things where like the bars would close at 2.30 and you kind of had to make sure everyone 
was with someone else that, you know, you didn't have people walking home alone and because it, it was a little rough. So that that that's not something you really want to have going on. But yeah, that was interesting. Nice. I've been to Portland, but it, it's approaching 30 years. So yeah, I, I think, think it's things, changed. things have probably changed. Significantly I did also enjoy the second day or third day I was in Portland. The headline of the Bill Simmons podcast was Portland's dilemma or Portland's in trouble. <laughs> so I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. The coincidence <laughs> there. Um, but, but yeah, but the well, week may- before that, Eddie. Yeah, maybe you can get us back onto sports. You know, as we are a sports podcast, you yeah. can. Do you have a big announcement to make? Are we expecting you to be in the next NHL draft? How how did this roller hockey tournament go? Yeah, so I first year participating in NARCH, which is the North American Roller Hockey Championships. Um, I played for Wheel Hub Asia, and it was it was it was an experience. So I played in two divisions. I played in the thirty and over. And then the men's open silver division. So third tier, I think that was. I think there's a silver, gold, and a pro. The men's 30 and over consisted of every pro player who's over 30 warming up for the pro division, open division. That was the following week. That was unbelievably competitive. We got mercyed every game. We obviously had no pro players on our team, but we were playing all the pro teams put in a team just for their 30 and overs to basically just get warmed up and get practice. And it is, it was, it was fun to watch, brutal, brutally miserable to play against because part of you wants to really try hard and give it an effort, but it's almost not even worth it because all the other players, not all the other players on your team, but like, that our team as a whole just couldn't hang. So even if I was pushing so hard and like back checking so hard and getting on one of their guys, they still have three other guys that are just skating through the rest of our team, you know? So like, wait, way to throw your team under the bus there. No, it's, I'm not saying just me either. <laughs> I know. But I'm I know. Saying, but... You know, like it, we didn't have enough to put together like one solid good line against what would have been like their worst line. For, for, for some clarification, you were representing an, an Asian team. Yeah. Did you have any Asian players? Yeah. So I would. So it was. So the backstory on that is there is a uh, a a Welsh guy who lives in Singapore who played for I think Great Britain's roller hockey national team. Moved to Singapore. Had been coaching their national hockey team and and really doing a lot of outreach and trying building roller hockey there. And he started a company called Wheel Hub, where like sells equipment and things like that. So this was his first year of kind of, I think, first major year of bringing teams over from that area to try and, you know, get them involved in like the international roller hockey scene a little more. So he brought over 16 teams and he was in charge of every team. It was crazy. So this is like eight and under, 10 and under, 14 and under, 18, 24 five different teams in all the open divisions, a 30 and over, a 40 and over, like a ton of teams. Um, And pretty much every team was half like from like Asian and then half filled with other international players. So my team was basically, our open team was uh, half of them were from, I think like Singapore and other areas. And then half of it was like two from Tucson, uh, two from England, another one, two from Wales, 
Um, so like kind of spread out everywhere. So it was fun. It was cool. You got to meet a ton of people, you know, like one of the guys that was my line mate on the open team, like he asked me to come out to Germany to play in a tournament like next month, you know, and, uh, I think we'll probably put in like another team down the road. So that was really cool. The open division was competitive and that was like, we were okay in that level. And I think next year, I think Tucson is going to put together their own team of our best group that I think would have a shot at being in the top five or 10 in that division, which is fun. I just, it like when you can actually compete and not just get blown out every game, it makes it a lot more fun. Like, yeah. Okay. I played against pro guys, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, is it really, oh yeah, I played against pro guys. They beat us eight, nothing in seven minutes. Like, is that really that like great? (laughs) No, no, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound that spectacular, but yeah, yeah, next year. Next year, maybe maybe you'll score a goal. I had a goal. No, I know, but in the, the eight nothing blowout. If you oh, I'm that. never playing in a thirty and over again. <laughs> There's no <laughs> point in that. Well, maybe. Speaking of thirties and over, the big sporting event of the weekend was Wimbledon finals, both in the men's and the women's. In the women's, it feels like same old, same old. And that since Serena Williams has left, we just have this kind yeah. of rotating sort of table of single or double Grand Slam winners. Like no one's really managed to establish themselves as being, I mean, Shratek has come close. She obviously had that long winning streak last year. Grass is not her ideal surface. So you can kind of give her the pass on not being able to win at Wimbledon, but someone like Sabalenka, for example, who is suited to it for her and to not be able to, uh, you know, make the final and certainly not even win um, is sort of surprising. On the men's side, you had Alcaraz winning his second Grand Slam, beating Novak Djokovic in the final, which not surprising necessarily, but maybe surprising given the fact when Djokovic won that first set, he also had a set point in the second set in the tiebreak. So like he came very close to just taking control of that match. Like I don't think Alcaraz comes back from two sets down, but one in five sets. I was also kind of surprised he won. Once it went to the fifth set, I felt like, oh, here we go. This Novak Djokovic is going to win the fifth set. Like this is what happens. But he managed to to get the break pretty early and then, and then hold on for the remainder of the set. The question is, is it this... Um, passing of the torch moment just taking my text messages for word for word here well (laughs) i'm the only person who's asked this i think (laughs) yes yes very much so i mean john McEnroe came out and claimed that he thinks carlos alcaraz is the most talented 20 year old tennis player he's ever seen yeah there was a point when at after the match i don't know if you saw like when alcaraz went up to the crowd right away he then went into the booth and shook like all of their hands I thought McEnroe was going to try and like pull his pants down or something. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I was just about to reveal the name of the person from the earlier story. I was so close to doing pull a, oh, you mean he was going to pull a blank? Yeah. Was so, <laughs> no, he was like, he was hey, Carlos. glowing, glowing hey, Carlos, about him. Do you think I'm straight? <laughs> come, come here and hold my dick for a while while we make out and we'll find out. But yeah, no, he was raving about him. I found it kind of weird when he started to then clarify that take because he was like, well, Boris Becker was the most talented 17 and 18 year old. And, you know, <laughs> 19 and a half was this yeah. guy. 
21 with someone else. <laughs> and I, I kind of don't get like Nadal by the age of 20 was, was like the dominant player on, on clay. So I don't know how you necessarily, I mean, I'm sure he's saying all around, but. But had yeah. Nadal, yeah, because that was my question. Nadal at that, by that time though, hadn't won anything off of clay majors. Um, right? So he won his first other than the French Open is in 2008. So he would have been, he's 30, he's just turned 37. He's the same year as me. Yeah. So in 2008. Yeah. So how old? So he was born in 86. So in he was 22 when he won okay. his first non-French Open. But by the time he was, I mean, he, he won in 2005, 6, 7, 8 yeah. at the French Open. So I mean, that's that's the strange thing, right? Is that at this point now, Alcaraz has won two majors and neither of them are the French Open. <laughs> yeah, the place you, yeah, exactly. The the surface where you'd expect him to be. And I guess if McEnroe had been pushed more, I suppose his argument is that compared with Nadal in terms of all-round game, yeah. that's the where he has the edge right now. Although don't get but, me, I could be completely wrong here, but didn't the last French Open, didn't he lose to Djokovic in five sets in the semis? Was that? Oh no no no! He got it's he when got he, cramps. It's when he started cramping. The cramps, the, the cramping. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was in four sets, but yeah, it, it was, was close. But it was and, the semifinals. Yeah, it was close until he start until he started to have the cramp issue. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see. I thought that you know, if I was Novak Djokovic, the speech after where he repeatedly basically mentioned the fact that he was born after Novak Djokovic had become a professional <laughs> tennis player. That, that might, I mean, which is sort of basically true. Um, that bit might have make, made you feel old. I did like he's, I, how he said I, See, now I don't know. it. I get the feeling that they're actually decently close and on friendly terms. So that to me seemed very friendly. But if they're not, then that's like a little bit much. Like if that were a random person that I never really interacted with except competitively playing against and i said that i would be slightly off put being Djokovic. but if they are on like friendlyish terms then that seemed very innocent and actually kind yeah. of funny no and they definitely there there certainly seemed to be a lot of mutual respect and yeah it didn't seem as if and and from alcaraz's perspective it, it did it was genuine right like he wasn't digging into like you're the old guy and he did make that comment of you know you've made 36 the new 26 you know that was he he had some charm in, yeah, in terms of in terms of what he did. He came across very well. He just seems like a happy little guy. As well. He does, just, you know, just like always got a big smile on his face. So hopefully for tennis, he manages to yeah. go on now and win. You know, in the next say like eight Grand Slams, if he can win another at least two of the next eight, then you you really start to put yourself as okay. We've got the next. This is yeah. the sort of inheriting the the crown. And I thought Djokovic actually gave a really nice speech as well. I mean, he comes across he comes across very well in those interviews. Off the court interviews sometimes are a little more questionable. What What did you think about his? I don't know if you saw the press conference he had after his semifinal when he spoke. He was asked about basically how Alcaraz was maybe hungrier uh, because he was a young player and hadn't won Wimbledon before. And Djokovic's response was something along the lines of, I'm hungry too. Let's have a feast. I, uh, 
<laughs> I thought that was okay. He does, again, you know. His... He had like a few like with the Instagram ones. But was that like last year when they were like the yeah. Instagram thing going back? Like that was kind of funny. You know, he's 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 kind of like uh, what's his face, the Joker, right? <laughs> with his like, <laughs> I, it would have been really funny if he was like, I don't really care if I won or lost. I just want to go home to my horses. <laughs> <laughs> At least there's no parade. But he, yeah, no, I mean, he comes across as a good guy. It's just a shame that he's sort of tarnished his name and reputation a bit, right, with the whole vaccine thing. Like, that does overshadow all of the personality element is, you know, that's going to be, aside from the tennis success, that is the only thing people are going to think of about him long term, which is just unfortunate. But yeah, he um, he came across pretty well, I would say. Yeah, but I got to watch the fifth set on the plane ride home, which was kind of nice because sometimes the we got really lucky that I was on a plane that had a television in the seat for it was only a two hour flight, which that's pretty rare. But they also had the live TV stream, which a lot of companies don't have. So what was really interesting was there was a good amount of people watching the match, which was cool. And maybe it was because like the first person puts it on. And then like the person behind them sees that it's on. So they and you could kind of tell like more and more people started putting it on. But I saw at least, you know, I was about 20 rows back, at least 15 people watching it on the plane. Yeah, it's one of those things that you've seen. Like I remember seeing one from a flight when the Super Bowl was going on and one like during the Football World Cup where they sh- like they show the picture where every screen on a plane is like watching the live sporting yeah. event. And even though that's kind of stupid and meaningless, it looks kind of cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason why you'd be like, oh, my God, what a fun plane. Everyone's watching, (laughs) like, a live event. But it does kind of make it feel like, oh, maybe the plane. It'd be interesting to see if you really start to go into a sort of rowdy atmosphere on a plane. I think that (laughs) would be less enjoyable. But, yeah, it still seems pretty cool. Yeah, after uh, Alcaraz had, like, a really nice shot in that final uh, game when he was down and then he had that nice one to, I think, go back to 30-30. Like I turned to the guy next to me because he was watching it on my right and we both were like, yeah, nice shot. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do when Novak Djokovic completely destroyed his racket? Destroyed after, his racket? <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> after he was broken. Uh, yeah. A little bit of a temper tantrum. Yeah. I mean, aside from that, we had a it's a fairly quiet weekend and week of sport obviously the tour de france is going on it's it's kind of building towards a crescendo a lot will be decided tomorrow so the 18th of july so when people hear this the time trial will probably have finished but that time trial could well, will play a significant part in in deciding who who wins the the general classification but other than that slower slower sporting week yeah well i was going to ask you I got a text from a avid podcast listener or our podcast listener, not just a person who listens to podcasts, but listens to the big chill podcast in particular. And they asked if I had started watching the Netflix series quarterback. And I said, no, I have not. Is it good? And the response was a one word, very. So I have watched an episode and a half of it. Okay. I would say. I will get into it then as well. I do like it. Okay. I think it is interesting. I'll say this. I'll give my quick thoughts. It's like no spoilers, can I, right? Can, can I ask before you say what you're going to say? Yeah. D- 
does it is it going to make me not like Patrick Mahomes as much as I like him? Prob he 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 comes across as a little bit of a fork. Oh, you know, I knew it. <laughs> but more than that, what it's going to make you do is feel sorry for him because everything you might have thought about how other people are perhaps kind of living a little bit off of his fame, yeah, they come across that way, including his wife, yeah. where it just seems like a kind of painful existence that he okay. does not seem to enjoy at all. But she... And it's it's Mahomes, Cousins, and... Uh, Mariota? Mar- Mariota, yeah. Those Which are actually is, three an... decent picks because you have Mahomes is like the superstar, but has that kind of like side drama. Then you have Cousins, who's like the controversial, quirky one, kind of like the Philip Rivers now of, of this generation almost. And then you have Mariota, who's like was a superstar in, in college and now is kind of struggling to hold on. Can I say it made me like Patrick Mahomes slightly less? It made me like Kirk Cousins a whole lot more. Oh, I bet. Like he comes across as such a just genuine guy. And like what you see is what you get. He cares a lot. Like of all of them, it's it's clear that he has the most sort of introspection as to and has to deal with. I think he feels like consistent failure. Yeah. So he's really interesting and he's pretty open about all of that element. So far, they've managed to avoid most of the like what I would consider kooky religious aspects uh, yeah. in the cousin's household. Although <laughs> his wife did say at one point, like I can't, it's like their week three or week four, where he had a game-winning drive that she had to put on her like religious songs while she was like sitting in the box as he songs or psalms, song songs. Maybe they were singing songs, songs of psalms. <laughs> yeah, it's possible, but. Now it makes Mahomes again. We we can discuss it more when you've watched him. I I know com- what it's gonna. I, I know he it comes is. across as a dork. I know because I know I know it's a, gonna happen. A his in game talking, it's that it's the thing that blows. Like I don't know how an athlete sees that. Sometimes I get you get lost in the moment. He does a lot of that, like saying the same thing nineteen times in a row. Like, you can't touch me. 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 I told you, you can't touch me. And it's like, okay, dude, do you not watch that back and think that's kind of of a loser move? And then also he post game. It's just like, it's like watching someone from high school. He's like sitting with his friends being like, and dude, and then I threw it to the, like to Travis Kelsey and it was a touchdown. Like, oh my God. Like I totally like they like they just total blown coverage. Like, oh my God, I, he smoked him. It's like, you're, you're an NFL quarterback who's won a Super Bowl. Like, why are you sitting with your dorky friends after a game? Like with your dad and, and whoever these other clinger honors are. Clinger honors. <laughs> like rehashing a week four game against the Raiders. You know, like this is, it's not like you've, if it was a super significant win, I can kind of get it. Um, so there's that part of it. Also, if I had to be critical of the documentary itself, the only thing I don't enjoy is there's a lot of game footage, like, and I don't need it. Like, I, I feel like the people who are going to really watch and get into this, they know what happened last year. And I have no neither, idea. I don't know who won last year. <laughs> they're neither giving you enough game footage to really feel like you're like in the game watching it. It's not like a last chance you experience where you're sort of immersed yeah. in the game. 
it's like here's six highlights and you know like i feel like that kind of contributes nothing so if it were me i would just cut all of the actual in-game footage out and just be like let's look at them at home let's look at them how they deal with these different things because it is interesting yeah should we try and do like the first half of the season and discuss it on the next episode sure we can do okay. that speaking of tv shows that i have watched wait wait i got a quick question yeah um do you think this is something that like non-sports people will enjoy like you said the tour de france one that like yeah. non-sports people were into it I think you I think if you have any interest, I think if you have a total non-interest in sports, no. Okay. Because I don't think if it had just been Kirk Cousins, I think yes. <laughs> because again, you I'm think really he's excited the, about the Kirk Cousins part. He's the most interesting. Like he he is the one speaking more about his mindset and all these different things. You're kind of getting more of that. And the Mahomes bit, it's if you didn't care who Patrick Mahomes is, I don't think you'd find it that interesting or revealing. And again, I'm only two episodes into it so perhaps it gets better as it goes on i know it gets into whole things about their diet and preparation and stuff so you know there's things that maybe would become more compelling but i think you probably need to be a sports fan and i think even then you probably need to be a football fan to really watch it and think okay. this is really good but yeah in a non-sports tv show that I have watched recently. Ooh. You tried to get me with just with a total lack of not a ton of sports going on, not much to watch. A, I finished Barry, which was something that I hadn't done. Yeah. En enjoyed that. Barry was a great. Yeah. Yeah. Good TV show. Good season got finale. No, yeah. Got no real complaints. I got a little bit bored on the, the episodes where they were just on the run and just watching him like slowly interact with his child. Like that bit lost yeah. me a little. It was definitely, but, the last season was definitely less funny. Not, you know, yeah. like not, it was, wasn't worse, but it wasn't, didn't have as much comedy in it as previous seasons. Well, the, the shame for that is like by far the funniest character is Hank. No, ho Hank. Yeah. And he was less involved. Less involved. In the yeah, season. you're right. Although, like he was the although that one episode I'm thinking where, where, the young girl it's like they're chasing her through the streets i don't remember that episode it's like one of the darkest funniest episodes i've ever watched of television yeah but i did start watching the bear Ooh, and i gotta say on a scale of one to ten i give it a one what i think it is fucking terrible oh bad judge you 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 can't <laughs> judge television anymore to me, the bear's great. A, it's like every show about a chef I've ever watched. Like, what shows are those? Well, the movie with the That's movie not a where show, it's a movie. Okay. Next, okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, okay, I should have said every TV show or movie I've watched about a chef, but it if it, it's like it's playing all the same notes of here is this genius chef, but he's gonna make basic food and you know like so there's already that element we got it and oh my god he's he's a complex and torn individual so we have to suffer through that because you can't just make a sandwich without having a crisis every time you slice a you know a loaf of bread open but there's that element also i think and i know i'm I ha i've given up on it i'm done with it i think i watched four episodes and i was just like nope the same for me i i know that they're moving 
away from the kind of toxic kitchen environment. So I'm sure there was a, there's an eventual transition into something that works more smoothly, but the, I don't like the fact that every time a kitchen has to be represented on television, it has to be an environment in which people like shout at each other, insult each other. Like this is the only way food gets made is like, there's that part. (laughs) Then there's also the douchey, Make go turning up at a fucking sandwich shop in Chicago where no one has a like not a single guy in the kitchen sounds like he's ever spent a day in Chicago but we won't get into that bit either but oh now he's a connoisseur of the Chicago accent I'm just saying (laughs) do you want to give us your Chicago accent (laughs) (laughs) sure what should it be Eddie (laughs) but to do the whole we're gonna call each other chef if I worked in that sandwich shop I would have been like see it this is pretentious beyond pretension like this i get it you worked in you know french laundry and wherever else he's supposed to have worked but and i when i really checked out this is going into too much detail so no one's watched the show when he tells the story when the other chef like takes an interest in all of his desserts and has like put them on the wall and he's like stops to tell him about how for a year we did this and like the the gelatin was never quite right it was either too too like firm or too soft and we just we couldn't figure it out and he so he's supposed to be at i don't know if that was when he was supposed to be at french laundry or wherever else it was say one of the best restaurants in the world with incredibly talented well-trained chefs throughout the kitchen and none of them can figure it out and he's talking about it and then he's like but eventually one of the sous chefs he, he figured it out the guy's like, what was the what was the thing? And then the the other the little protege just in the background, oh, veal fat. Yeah, you're right. Oh, so she knows. So it took <laughs> it took it took all of you guys a year working in that kitchen to figure it out. But the girl just like eavesdropping in the background is like, why didn't you just ask me? I would have just told you it's veal fat. Well, maybe she knows because they figured it out. Now it's a common fact. Uh, it's possible, but then they Eddie, I want to pull up a note I wrote several months ago. Yeah. Eddie will hate the bear. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down when we talked about it because I knew you and I knew going in, you're going to be like, oh, here's a show everyone likes. I'm going to hate it. It ain't that. But I, I like the uh-huh. idea. I, sure. I like the idea that this turns into some kind of like magic show where you make predictions <laughs> months ahead of time. <laughs> But now you need to start announcing. You got to be like, Eddie, I'm writing a prediction right now. This will be revealed on November 8th, 2025. Eddie, I now want you to watch Secret Invasion on Disney. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Yeah. Just predicting me to hate is is pretty, it's low hanging fruit. But also too, it's just the like how hectic it is like that you've, I mean, and whilst I've never worked in a kitchen, I've worked in bars and bars that had kitchens. And I've, you know, we've got lots of friends who work in the restaurant industry. I've never, no one's ever told me a story of, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I think Facilis would would tell you it's pretty hectic. They never fucking sold, they've never sold jeans so they have enough meat for the day to to fucking make a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, that's because they didn't have a dysfunctional brother. (laughs) Who, who was uh, all over the place? Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm out on the bear, I, and look, I'm the lone voice I think in this one saying, 
Yeah, you are you are one of a few there on that one. Most people definitely enjoyed the bear. And actually, the Emmy nominations came out. Did you see that by any chance, Eddie? I did not. So a lot of the shows that we mentioned were uh, nominated. I'll just bring up a few. So Outstanding Drama Series, Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, Succession, White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets were the drama series. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't feel like anything's missing. I think Succession will probably pretty easily win that. Yeah. If we took it, out six, if we took if you took out Succession, it makes it actually pretty interesting as to what could win. It sometimes also feels unfair, right? Because some of those TV shows feel so long ago. Yeah. That for them to fall in the same Emmy window when or you finished, don't even know what season it is. Yeah, but when it finished, you know, like the beginning of the year yeah. versus something like Succession, which has just come, you know, so it's fresh in everyone's minds. It's it's kind of tough. Like Better Call Saul feels like it ended nine years ago. Yeah. Like I can't, I literally can't remember the last time I watched an episode of Better Call Saul. Yeah, a little surprise. House of the Dragon is on there. I have a feeling a lot of money was paid to put that on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anything else though. Maybe that's true. So I I can't come up with a good candidate of this should have been in there instead of people it. love Fleshman is in trouble, but I don't know if that's. That would actually be a limited series, I think, maybe because it's only one and done, which also makes this confusing because it's this is a, like a continual series, but then they also have limited series. So like a true detective would be on a limited series or um, what was the Kate Winslet one uh, that won uh, the HBO Kate Winslet uh, where she's the detective. That was like two, two years ago. That was really, really good with Evan Peters. Uh, mayor of East Town. Yeah, yeah, Mayor of East Town. And then outstanding comedy series, Eddie. Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, Jury Duty, Marvelous Miss Maisel, can, can, can Only we just Murders also, in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. Can we also address, like, The Bear is not a comedy? I don't they think always, it's a comedy. They it, always it, do. Th- to me, it has they, funny moments, but I wouldn't call it a comedy. They, they always do this bullshit so that things can win more awards, that they, like, put it down in multiple categories. And like, it's not a comedy. Just I agree with you. Okay, you can have comical moments, but that doesn't make you, yeah, a comedy. Like just because you laugh once, like whilst watching something, doesn't make it suddenly like, oh, this is a comedy. Then, yeah, no. And then the thing to me is, there's no way they sit down to write the bear and say, okay, what's the funniest scene we can put here? You know, like there's no way that's what they're doing. Like whereas Ted Lasso, that is exactly what they're doing. You know, like. What's the funniest thing we could do here or here? And then incorporating like, oh, let's put in a serious you know, storyline of this or that. And that to me is like, there's no way. And I, is, the, is Barry a comedy? Yeah. Less in the final season because, again, those episodes where it was just them on the run. Okay. There's not a lot of humor there. But I, I would say this. You know that in Barry they are trying to make things funny. Yeah. And every episode had a legitimately funny moment. And some of the characters, like Noah Hank, is just completely a comedic yeah. character. Like like Barry is a mixture of comedy and just sort of darkness and sort of seriousness. But some of the characters are just complete jokes. 
Yeah. So overall, a lot of movies that or movies, a lot of shows that we uh, have discussed are on the list. The one I wanted to discuss is: Did you watch Jury Duty yet? I have one episode left. Um, I, I, I genuinely I can't find how to watch. I mean, I know I could watch it by like through a VPN and stuff, but in France, it lies to me every time. It's like one of these shows. I there's no like, Amazon Prime. There is. And then I look on Amazon Prime, and it's not on French Amazon Prime, which isn't unusual because the weird. release date the release dates vary, and sometimes something is on Amazon there, but like because of a an agreement, it like goes to a different like streaming service or network first. But every time, like if I Google it, probably at this point Googled it like ten times over the past few months just to check. Every time it's like, oh yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Then I go on Amazon Prime, it's like, nope, no no results for you there. Yeah, I have one episode left. It's pretty good. I I'm not sold still that uh this person didn't know what's going on. And again, I haven't seen the last episode, so I don't even know like how it unfolds, but it just doesn't there for from, those from who watched clip. it and it's not a spoiler, but there's multiple yeah. times where he's like I can't believe all of this crazy stuff is happening to us. This just doesn't seem real. <laughs> like, he says it multiple times. <laughs> so, yeah, from the clips I've seen, some of the clips are just so outrageous that I can, again, you, you'd you have to think. The moment I, because originally I thought that they, like he didn't even realize, the fact that they'd set it up, the premise is right, it's a like real trial but still a reality TV show, right? No, everything's fake. No, no, no. The, I understand. But for, for in him, he's been recruited oh. to be on a reality TV show, but it's a real trial. That's what he believes, correct? Because he uh, like responded to like a Craigslist ad or something is supposedly. I don't think it's a reality. T- I, I don't get that last part, but I, I just assumed they were doing like a documentary about like. But he had to apply to be on. I think so. But I think they're no, doing no, a documentary. Okay. Because in my mind, the only way this was believable is if like you somehow got it, you came up with like, we're going to, you're going to get jury duty and then you come and then you go, man, this is fucking nuts. But <laughs> everything is seeming, seemingly legitimate. You had to be, you have to be a moron to be like, oh, crazy shit is going on around me. I know this is a TV show. I know it's been set up, but they're definitely not. Like they've they've told yeah. me the truth here about what type of TV show it is. Let me wait till I watch the last episode tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> so, what else do we have? Well, at the conference, uh, the last day we had our reception, and I sat at a table with uh, all, yeah, English people. So it was people from either UCL or Cambridge, they kind of like were sitting all together and there was like one seat left at the table and my students had not come. So I was like kind of by myself. So I was like, oh, can I, you know, and I, I knew like one or two of them at the table. So I was like, hey, can I hop in? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So we got to talking and they were blown away that I love cricket and could discuss cricket with them to the point where we were talking about the the vitality blast and I was telling them that I had just went and the other person had went to the match after us or before oh. us or something like that. And it was like really funny. Like at a point we thought we almost were in the same match and then I was kind of describing them. And, the, and then, and then I told them about the, 
the major league cricket and then they were really mind blown <laughs> which i i guess we should say is underway Started. now yeah yeah that's what we were discussing i've, I've watched two matches okay because it's the quality of the cricket obviously is pretty good because there are some superstar players in there and most teams do have at least a handful of very good players the atmosphere and the attendance i know they're not going to come out and say isn't what they were hoping for but it can't be what they were hoping for. Oof. I mean, there's a lot of empty seats there, and it's pretty quiet. Yikes. Like, I'm sure the players are fine because I know that they've been written. They've already been paid. <laughs> big checks for a couple weeks' work, so who cares? But, um, and may, you know, there's a good chance we have some people from Major League Cricket back on in the future. I would be interested to know. I don't think we would ever get an honest assessment, right? of no, we were disappointed with this element. But if I were involved in this, I would already be starting to think, okay, we are going to exist solely for TV viewing purposes. Like I struggle to see based on this. Of And with the eye test, obviously don't want to come across as, you know, kind of racist or anything. Because, but... It, we know that the goal, part of the goal was not to just appeal to expat communities and you know mm-hmm. people from communities like from the Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Sri Lankan communities, the subcontinental Asians. Right now, it looks like that's the only people who are going. <laughs> so, and okay, it's it's week one, season one, so got to give them a break. But there, it certainly doesn't look like the Dallas Fort Worth community and <laughs> is like fully behind the idea of a professional cricket league on its doorstep. Yeah. That's tough. I want, I really want to go. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, because I've just been doing so much traveling that I literally don't have time to get there because I'll be gone again this weekend coming up, but I I'm going to, I'm still going to make an effort and see if I can find like a few days and maybe a real cheap flight. Cause it's a direct flight from, from Tucson to Dallas. So it's feasible. Um, if I can get something cheap, maybe I'll go and, and watch a match or two and come back. But I also looked at the results so far and it looks like we have a clubhouse leader for absolute worst club. And that is the Los Angeles Knight Riders who were all out for 112 in the first match. And you thought, wow, that's pretty bad. Then they were all out for 50 in the second match. And that is, I think you and I might be able to put 50 up in a D20. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are some teams the way that are clearly not very good. Uh, and yeah, they are, they're obviously not going to be involved. So yeah, they've scored only 162 runs in their two matches and they've, uh, they, their opposition has scored 336. So you know, it's not good where over the course of two matches, you've got like a net negative 170 runs. Like that's quite a spectacular achievement in many ways. In their second but, match, they had only one person over 10 runs. <laughs> <laughs> and they do have some good players. I mean, Martin Guptals there, Riley Rousseau, Jason Roy. You know, there's, there's players there who you would think. Jason you know, Roy did not Roy- play the second match. Yeah, Andre Russell, Sunil Narayan. Like you've got players there who you, you wouldn't think that they would be struggling to be able to score a few runs, but it's not it's not good. It will be interesting to see. Season one, you can't judge anything, right? Because yeah. they're just 
getting it out there and, and seeing what happens. And just even but, setting up the logistics of it, you know, at that point for season one. Yeah. But it will be interesting to see. Um, and then, yeah, to see what happens season two, how much they change from their approach in this inaugural season. Oh, I got, I got one for you, Eddie. Did you see that uh, Steph Curry won the, was it the celebrity golf tournament? I did. What was it and called? I saw it. I saw his hole in one. He had a hole in one, which he then yeah. sprinted to the green floor, yes. which which was OK as a celebration. But I felt bad for the other players he was playing with because they like went to like celebrate yeah. with him and got a and high five. Gone. And they went like the first three yards and then realized he was full sprint and they kind of just stopped and were cheering themselves. And they were put in that awkward situation of like. You look like you look pretty dumb, like celebrating with someone who's not there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't mind the celebration because obviously very cool to get a hole in one. Very cool to get a hole in one when you're playing in a televised tournament like that's as an amateur golfer. That's as good as it's going to get. I didn't like I liked him like running, getting there. I didn't so much like the continued celebrations on the green. I thought that was like a little much. There was a sort of sprint down there. By that point, you should have kind of cooled down. Like you've just sprinted whatever, 150 yards, say. You don't need to keep kind of tearing around the green, jumping up and down. But but yeah, no, I mean, he's a legitimately good golfer. That much is clear. I mean, it's one of those things everyone says, right? But yeah, I mean, he's he's very good. He's the first active athlete to win that tournament since the year 2000. I don't know if I should be impressed by that or not. <laughs> It's, it's one of those like I don't know how strong the field always is. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's cool. I mean, I guess we should also mention. Obviously, Messi completed his transfer to Inter Miami. Wait, you didn't let me finish, Eddie. Oh, sorry. The response, ahead. Eddie, would have been, "Who was the last athlete to win it? Who who was the last athlete to win it, Frank? NFL kicker Al DeGreco." <laughs> Okay. Wow. What a prestigious. That's a list. deep cut. <laughs> That's, he's joined quite the list. He, the, Al DeGreco now has to be delighted that he is on a list with Steph Curry. Like that's now his, like number on his Wikipedia. That's now leading the, leading the entry. He's the head coach or he was the head coach of the uh, Samford University men's golf team. Yeah. So maybe that Steph should be honored to be on Al DeGreco's list. And maybe, maybe he'll also become a golf coach once he retires from the NBA. But yes, yeah, so we move on to Messi. Messi. Not too much to say, right? Obviously, everyone knew what was happening, but the announcement took place. Uh, he's just an awkward little dude. So whenever you see him take part in any of these announcements, it just, he looks uncomfortable. And yeah. I kind of feel sorry for him because you can just tell it's not really his thing. He just wants no. to play football and everything. I also feel bad for him that clearly they, he and his family are enjoying the fact that so far, at least in Miami, they do have a greater degree of freedom. I don't think Sports Center needs to be posting pictures of Messi in a supermarket. It's so I annoying. think that's where you cross the line. Like there are, if TMZ or whoever else wants to do that, those are the places that are supposed to do it. But I don't want to feel as if I'm encouraging 
like by following sports center that I'm like encouraging people to take annoying photos of athletes in public. Yeah. Like that's, it's so, you know, bad job ESPN. Yeah. We're, we get, you get the official two thumbs down from the big show podcast. And on a similar note, I just watched the black mirror paparazzi episode in this year's new season. Two thumbs down to Black Mirror for that episode. <laughs> it was Didn't enjoy it. Not very good. <laughs> the other ones, actually, the season on a whole has been way better than last season. But that episode was the low point of the season. It was not a good episode. And I, I think not very well liked by many people. I, I'm I'm not the Eddie in this situation. <laughs> So you might of, love of that episode. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Let me write something down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you're not the Eddie. But yeah, no, it's. Uh... So I've got a little topic for you, and I've been meaning to ask for a while because it's quite popular now on like social media. But I can tie it into sports, so I'll start with the sports. There was a uh, post I read the other day that Lawrence Taylor said he does not remember being drafted by the Giants because he drank 41 Coors Lights that day. That got me thinking of the 50 challenge that everyone keeps talking about, where it's beers, miles run or walked, and donuts. And you have to combine hit 50 in one day. What is your breakdown? 50 beers. <laughs> is it 50 beers or is it 50 donuts? Does the, does the walking to the bar count as part of the miles? It can, yeah. Um, I would probably aim for, I mean, these are, can, are, these are cans of beer, right? Cans Not of pints. beer. So 33 centiliters. I guess it I has feel, to be cans. I feel like I could do... In a 24-hour period, I think I could definitely drink 30 cans of beer and, like, be fine. Like, you know, like, that wouldn't completely derail my day if I spaced that out properly. So I might go, like, 30-10-10. Because I think at a certain moment, too many donuts, it's going to, especially then with trying to put beer in there, it's just going to make everything impossible. And then the (sighs) order... I'm not sure, though. Like... 10 donuts to me seems very low. I honestly think you could take like three yeasted donuts and like mush them in and eat eat them like in four bites. I don't want to do that though. I'm not going to turn into Joey Chestnut all of a sudden. I'm not going to, you know, start mushing my food together for efficiency. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. The, the donuts is the thing that would worry me. Because again, in a 24-hour period, you could knock out the, a lot of miles pretty comfortably where you're like, okay, I'm just going to go run a mile now and then we're down to 49 and then I can wait. Like I'm not going to go on a 10-mile run, but I could do 10-mile runs, if you see what I mean. <laughs> and not, and I don't think, again, if I think about mixing that with drinking beer, I think I'd be okay. The donuts, is just I don't want to... In your stomach, that your stomach could just seize up. Regardless, the next day, 
is not going to be a fun day. <laughs> oh, no. You don't want anyone else around. No. That's that's a private day. <laughs> that is some solo rest and recovery. First 24 hours, feel free to record the whole ordeal. Next 24, turn those cameras off. <laughs> and then the next, then I want the interview 48, like 48 hours later to get a sense of how do you How'd feel that about go? your how do you feel about your decision? What would you do differently if you could go back in time? Like I would do, like if we decided to do that challenge, I would definitely take it on. Like I'm happy from a content perspective to try it, but it's also one of those things, right? It's like when people try the, the thing where you have to eat a hot dog and drink a beer in every inning at a baseball game. And people like really struggle with that. But on the face of it, it doesn't seem that hard. But consistently, people can't get it done. Okay. Have you heard of the other one, though? Yes, I have. And we're not <laughs> discussing that. Pretty 6, much. 12, 18, 24. Yeah. And I yes. would pay to get Tim on our podcast to tell us what he would choose. <laughs> Oh, he would just do all of them as the other thing. <laughs> In the same way I said 50 beers, he would just be like, whatever that adds up to, 48. Or he would just go, yeah, I'm doing that 48 times. Oh, God. <laughs> it is a very popular Reddit thread. I would be shocked if we can't find Tim has participated on this Reddit thread. He started it. He started it. Oh, God. And for anyone who's wondering what the 612-1824 is, just type that in and you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... Three of the things safe. we discussed and one other. <laughs> and one other that's not safe for work. So... <laughs> but yeah. No, the 50, I think it would be somewhere... I'll be honest with you. Reality, I wouldn't do 30 beers. I would probably do like 20 beers... Maybe 2015, 15. Yeah, I think if you broke up the runs into, or like walk slash runs into fives. and I think like it's going to be a proper up, run, right? No, it, it says you can walk slash run. Oh, and it's kind of easy. But that's time consuming. It You're is. Well, you can time. Do, because you can eat a donut and walk. <laughs> no, like there's. Good. You can eat a beer and slowly walk a mile. Like it's not, and you've knocked. All right. If we say, if we say non-walk jog slash run, I think you could do like four in the morning when you wake up and then start hitting some donuts and beers and then do like another four in the afternoon. I don't want to go solid chunks like that. I don't want to do getting. But it's even worse to have to like consistently keep going out and jogging and running. But you could do a, yeah, but just one mile, you know, it's, you're not, you're not going very far. I, I get the idea of like trying to get ahead of the game with like four or five right off the bat. Yeah. Because you're also going to be hungry about 30 minutes after your run. And that's when you can just put down like four donuts at a clip. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to go in, in intervals of four. It's like four think, miles, four donuts, four beers. I think my, I think I might try and get up early do five miles, eat five donuts. And at that point I'd be like, I'm okay. I'm 20% of the way through. 
and I sh- and I would feel I think pretty good because yeah you've you've eaten five donuts but on the back of a five mile run I think you'd actually be like do you know what I've only got forty left to go and my body feels yeah. pretty nice. It would be really fun to do this, but it would be such a waste of one of the few days that I get to spend in Paris or London with everyone <laughs> that we all just wasted on doing this challenge and then feeling like shit the next day. Yeah, so the, it's a two-day waste. The day itself would be a lot of fun. The problem is the, the following day wouldn't be. Yeah. I don't, if everyone were to do it, oh, because that's the issue. If everyone were to do it, it would actually be chaos because people would be like out running at random times and then coming back and it'd be like really strange. You need like a bar to sponsor it and for them so that the donuts we are just there. lock in for 24 hours in the bar. And then you have like a mapped out mile loop. So it's very, like very obvious. Like you start here, finish here, you've done yeah. a mile. Like that's ideally what you want. And then people can just go off and kind of structure that however they want to do. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, but... I mean, obviously other people have done it, but it's it's doable. But yeah, it could be a little bit of chaos. Plus also some people are going to start throwing up at a certain moment in time. <laughs> That's definitely happening. Now, is oh, that I a forgot. DQ? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Another weird story. And this one, if people listeners did not believe my original story, did, like had some doubts about my original story. On Saturday, I was in Bugsy. Is this the same person? No. Okay. This is a person we do not know. So I, I was in Bugsy's and there was a girl there who supposedly is like a nymphomaniac, sex addict, just like goes after guys every time she's there, but like two extremes. Do I know this person? Um, I don't think you've ever seen her. Okay. Uh, she at one moment was showing people pictures pictures of her in a sort of bonded, bondage situation. So she was definitely confirming the rumors and then very strangely at one moment she began to very loudly fake an orgasm in a like when harry met sally scenario but screaming and it legitimately went on for two minutes no one in the bar said it like it it was like a record scratch just everyone turned and watched this girl who obviously enjoyed the fact that everyone was watching her and she was full on scream moaning <laughs> until like literally the staff working there had to go up to her and be like, you have to stop now. Like you have, whatever you're doing, you have to stop this. Like you are not allowed to do this. The best part about it, but a was weird. So you just had like probably 40 people just staring at her while she was doing this. We're probably talking 10 o'clock at night, not super late. But then the real kicker was then there were these groups of like American tourists and one of them did then as soon as she stopped and she was in the midst, she was probably like a 50-year-old woman. She wait, wait, wait. Or- the nymphos, a 50-year-old woman? No, no. The nymphos oh, wow. like a, a 30-something-year-old French woman. And she pulled attractive. the Harry She pulled, she was ordering at the bar right as the, she stopped the fake orgasm and then she went, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> which which got a laugh out of like me and a few other people, but her friends didn't hear it. And then she had to double dip on the joke, which was then oh. really, really cringy. Yeah. Like her friend her friends turned back around to her and she was like, I just told the bartender, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> and it got it just was flat. It got nothing. 
Oh, man. That sucks. You had the one opportunity and you nailed yeah. it and no one was there to see it. <laughs> no one who you knew. Just a couple of random people on the other side of the bar going like, yeah, well-timed. You did it. That's the only time in your life you're ever going to get that chance. I have to say, Eddie, <laughs> this is quite strange, but I have a quite similar story where I also nailed the comeback line. So we the one of the last night of the conference, we had a reception. The reception ended around eleven, and a lot of the people there rallied to go to uh, an Irish whiskey bar, an Irish pub that had a lot of whiskeys as well. So we went, and when we got there, there was probably about it was very empty. It was like eleven o'clock on a Saturday, but there was probably like eight people in the bar, and we were about. 30 to 40 of us, a uh, pretty big bar. And they had, you know, a big bar that you could sit at probably like 15 seats and then smaller tables and then booths. So most people were either at the bar or at the smaller tables that were in between the bar and the booths. So me and another uh, researcher or whatever, we get beers, we try to get to the one table where our friends are sitting and it's too crowded. So we go to the other spots. There's two open spots at the table, and it's all students, um, which I don't know many of the students because there are like a lot of students, and they you know they interact you know because you're there for two years, maybe you see them, and then they go into a different degree or something like that. So I didn't really know any of them. I kind of recognized one or two. So we start talking to them, and we're like chatting, and and you know for a good five ten minutes, and there's me me the other person and six students at this table. So we're chatting, we're chatting, and then I turn to the one next to me, and she's kind of in like a, a shorter, tighter, pink, sparkly dress, and she's drinking uh, Cosmopolitans. And so I go to her, I go, what, what lab are you in? And she goes, what? And I go, like, what, are you like a PhD student, like a postdoc, what lab are you in? She's like, I don't, I don't, what? I don't get it. And I was like, aren't you here with the group from the conference? And she's like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not with them. I'm a hooker. <laughs> so that I go. So the guy, the kid next to me who was very drunk, he like loses it. And he starts like cracking up and like almost has to like leave. I pulled right, right in. And I was like, oh, no way. Me too. <laughs> and then she proceeded to laugh and thought it was funny. And I said, yeah, but the issue is, I think I was actually at this table first. So if you don't mind, I'd like you to leave so I can have first dibs. <laughs> and, and then she really liked that. And then I had to kind of say like, actually, I'm just joking. I'm really not like hitting on you or trying to have a conversation here. Like don't take the wrong intent here. But it was really good. Like I came back right, like didn't even flex or like flinch. It was so pretty how much good. Did she, how much did she charge? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this. She then proceeded to tell us the classic, but I'm actually off tonight and I'm just here having fun, having drinks. And then proceeded to bounce from every table that was male dominated until eventually she disappeared in the night. <laughs> so I don't think she was off. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just love the game. You know, it's, that's, you know, it's just like an NBA player hitting the local pickup game to to get up some shots, you know, it's, it's, you know, 
it does explain at one point when I walked by the table the first time, there was like one of the, the grad students was talking about um, like legalized sex work. And I remember walking by and being like, it's a really weird conversation for six PhD students to be having. Like, I wonder how that came up. And then now I obviously know how that came up. <laughs> but yes, Portland, Oregon. Saw it all in one week. <laughs> oh, keep Portland, keep Portland weird, right? Keep Portland weird. That is right. All right. On that note, should we call it a day? Yeah, I think that's enough stories for one day. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. See you. Cheerio.